0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito Com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Com.
1: Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 190 of the Falcoholic Live. I am your host, Kevin Knight, joined by... Some wonderful guests this evening. First of all, we have with us Dave Choate at The Falcoholic himself. Dave, how are we doing tonight? Doing great. Terrific. And joining us right on time, Aaron Freeman at Falc fans. Aaron, how are you doing?
0: Doing great, Kevin.
1: Yes, this, that was really perfect timing. I was like mid-intro right when you swooped in. So that was that was perfect. So great job on your part. That's what
0: I do. It's what I do.
1: <laughs> all right, guys. Well, we're going to be breaking down uh, actual stuff, you know, here. In mid-May, which is, that's not always a given uh, in, in the NFL. So we've got, obviously, the schedule release to talk about uh, some interesting tidbits from rookie minicamp. The Falcons made a trade. There was a signing. So we've actually got things to talk about for once. Uh, it, and just savor this moment, okay, because it's going to be like water in the desert after this uh, to get content. So, you know, we're just going to take advantage while we can, starting off with The trade for wide receiver Brian Edwards, uh, other than the signing uh, or the drafting of Drake London, may be the most impactful uh, addition to the wide receiver core. Uh, Aaron, I'll I'll get your take on this first because I haven't heard it. I'm sure you talked about it on your show, but I I haven't heard it yet. Um, What do you think about the addition of Brian Edwards?
0: I mean, I think it's a good trade for the Falcons. I think it makes a ton of sense for the team to kick the tires on Brian Edwards and see if he can be, um, you know, their number two wide receiver. He, you know, he's they're getting him on a rookie contract. These are the types of trades that the Falcons can realistically make, uh, getting some guys that maybe other teams are not as sold on. Uh, you know, you have Brian Edwards, uh, with the Raiders, Josh McDaniels coming in with a different system, maybe wanting guys that maybe a little bit more quicker and separating. You know, he's he's that Patriot school, so he's all about Hunter Renfro than necessarily some of these bigger body guys like Brian Edwards. Um, So I I think it makes sense from that perspective for the Falcons sort of seeing like, can this guy be a legitimate number two with some potential there? Um, I do wonder to a certain extent, like given that Brian Edwards played that X wide receiver role in the Raiders offense, um, you know, is there a little bit too much overlap with what Drake London and we saw kind of Kyle Pitts fill that role and we add Auden Tate to kind of fill that role as well this offseason. So it seems like the Falcons have an abundance of options at the X wide receiver position. Uh, That was the spot formerly filled by Julio Jones, the spot that A.J. Brown filled in Tennessee. And so you kind of wonder if it's like Arthur Smith is like, we're just going to throw a whole bunch of stuff at the wall. And one of these guys will turn into a really good (laughs) X wide receiver for us. Um, and you wonder maybe they could spend their resources maybe getting some guys that are a little bit more complimentary uh, <laughs> with, you know in that regard but you know I think Brian Edwards is a good player I kind of compared him to Muhammad Sanu coming out when he was at South Carolina long time alcoholic <laughs> uh, <laughs> fans and, and and people that follow me over the years know that 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 type of player is not necessarily <laughs> a player that I'm a huge fan of stylistically um yeah. but given that the Falcons only had to give up a fifth round pick or whatever the case may be. Uh, I, I think that's a good get. Um, what I'll say is like, because of that, that sort of Sanu connection, you're not going to see me probably as high on the move and, and Brian Edwards potential as maybe other people will be. But I certainly think he has the potential to be a, an effective player for us moving forward, similar to what Sanu was, and, and probably potentially better than what Sanu was given how young he is and, and still room to to grow. Uh, we got Sanu what, when he was like 27 or whatever yeah, case maybe. Yeah. And Brian Edwards is like 23, so um, if he's already sort of at that Sanu level, what can he be in the future? So I like the move from that perspective.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And only a fifth round pick, and you get a seventh. You get a seventh back too. I mean, sevenths, you know, who cares? But it's nice still. You know, it's an extra pick. Uh, maybe a punter, you know. Maybe get that punter hype going next year. Uh, so. <laughs> we,
0: we're gonna, we're going to be back in those mock drafts, Before the you run. know
1: it, yep. Before yeah. you know it, <laughs> yeah. And I know you had some takes about the the wide receiver depth chart that I want to get to as well. But I want to give Dave a chance to weigh in on uh, Brian Edwards. Dave, what did you think about that trade and the addition of Edwards to the receiving core?
2: Yeah, I, I echo a lot of what Aaron said. Um, you know, I think it's it's a smart move. It's the kind of move this team. Probably should be making if they're going to make a trade, you know, adding somebody who's affordable, who's young, whose best years are hopefully ahead of him and somebody that kind of fits stylistically with what they're looking to do. So I, I like the trade a lot. Um, I think that, you know, the odd and tape, uh contingent to the fan base maybe doesn't like this quite as much. And that's understandable because I, I think, you know, I know we'll get to Aaron's take on the depth chart, but he could potentially push him right off it. Um, but I do think Edwards has a good shot. Of becoming this team's number two receiver in the short term and if that turns out to be a long-term fit and he's a really good player then great right? better than great you gave up a fifth round pick to get him and you get that seventh that you'll trade for something else because terry Fontenot is allergic to making <laughs> seventh round picks
1: um, yes smart
2: man yeah yeah exactly he does he doesn't want us to suffer until six <laughs> o'clock in the evening on a saturday so i appreciate that um but you know if he doesn't work out and he's you know just a decent you know fourth guy on the depth chart this year and next year you still only gave up a fifth round pick so i think it's it's a smart trade and i do appreciate even though there's not a lot of high-end options that this team has put so much time and energy into remaking the receiving core and giving them a a fighting chance at having a decent depth chart so that this is a watchable football team this year so um (laughs) you know
1: absolutely yeah no i agree with that and uh I like the trade. You know, it's a fifth round pick, and I, I know people were like, "Oh, well, Grady Jarrett was a fifth round pick, so we just gave up a chance to draft the next Grady Jarrett." And like, there's maybe like one Grady Jarrett in every fifth round. Like the vast, like I would say, less than far less than half of fifth round picks turn into starters. You know, maybe half turn into rosterable players long term, that sort of thing. But it's a fifth round pick is a crapshoot, and I think. Edwards, like, I think at worst is probably a number four wide receiver. And I think he's shown that he can definitely be a number three. And obviously you're hoping that maybe he can be more than that. You know, we'll see. I think his last year with the Raiders was promising, promising enough that I really don't understand why they would trade him away for so little, considering they spent a third on him Um, and he was basically their number, I guess, number two receiver, obviously their third or fourth target the passing game because they have Darren Waller, too. At tight end. Um, It's just a a weird one. Um, I mean, I I guess maybe it's Josh McDaniels, the Patriots way, you know, just like, he's not my guy, get him out of here, that sort of thing. Um, You know, Josh McDaniels is probably going to ruin another team, so, you know, whatever. Uh, You know, but it's the Falcons' benefit. Uh, I like it. I I think that it's promising, and it's definitely a nice addition because... Drake London's nice, but you don't really want to rely on him to just have to hit the ground running immediately. And with the Brian Edwards edition, it's sort of like maybe you can lean a little bit more on Edwards. Um, and you've got now, I think, like, every edition that we've seen, like, we've got Drake London. It's like, okay, that was, that was like, desperately needed. And then it's like, okay, now we have Brian Edwards. It's like, okay, and now it's like Auden Tate, Demir Bird, Zaccheus, uh Zaccheaus, Ked- Kaderell Hodge, and all this. It's like, oh, well, now we're starting to get to the point where you know, some of these guys might not even make the roster and who, who before it was like, Oh, well cut Hash Hodge is like our number three wide receiver. So, uh, it's, if it, we've come a long way. I still don't think they're like a top 10 receiving group, you know, maybe in a few years, if like Brian Edwards really pans out and Drake London's as good as obviously you hope he is drafting him in the top 10. then maybe we, we look at this group in a couple of years and we're like, Oh yeah, this is actually really good. But, um, for only a fifth round pick, a guy that's going to be on a cheap rookie contract for the next two seasons. I love it. Um, and that does bring, open up a good opportunity to talk about the re- receiving depth chart real quick because I did think you had an interesting take, Aaron, in saying that you didn't think Auden Tate's roster spot was maybe safe, um, thinking that the team might prioritize Demir Bird. So I'm happy to be in the presence of another Demir Bird truther. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, well, I like Bird. I don't know why people think he's like terrible or something. So, yeah, like,
0: you know, and I guess now I've, I've outed myself as a, a Demir <laughs> Bird fan, even though like, I'm, like, he's fine. Like he's a perfectly yeah, yeah. fine white Like I'm not going to sit here and pound the table. Like this Demir Bird is a special <laughs> player. Or like, Elite I just, player. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, you know, it, it was controversial uh, you know, with me sort of giving my sort of preliminary projection on what I think the depth (laughs) chart is probably going to be going into training camp. Obviously we're going to see some competition and, and certainly things are going to change, but ultimately the conclusion I reach, and and this is why uh, I'll continue to be branded as the special teams matters guys is I, I think special teams does way more to decide roster battles than I think your average fan realizes and and ultimately the issue when you look at this wide receiver like we know drake london's going to be their number one guy he's not going to play on special teams yep. um and brian edwards audentate and and then geronimo allison and this was kind of what prompted it uh for me to come out and say that because you know people got really you know hyped oh we added geronimo allison on monday after rookie minikip and i just kind of like all three of those guys brian edwards audentate and Geronimo Allison didn't really play special teams. That was part of the reason why Auden Tate didn't barely played in Cincinnati. Because like, if he doesn't play special teams, there's no reason to activate him on game days because you have AJ Green and T Higgins and Jamar Chase. And like, what is he doing uh, for your team? And and Brian Edwards obviously had an opportunity to play with the Raiders. And so he didn't necessarily have to play on special teams. Um, And Geronimo Allison was a a decent sort of slot receiver for the Packers uh, and didn't necessarily have to play on special teams. And ultimately what people don't realize with, and and Kevin, you've talked about this on, on here where like Arthur Smith loves his two tight end sets, right? Like the, the Falcons, you know, I'm, I'm sure you know off the top of your head, like the Falcons were either like one or two in terms of second,
1: I believe in 12. Yeah.
0: In terms of like how often they use 12 personnel, the two tight end sets and how often they didn't use 11 personnel, which is three wide receiver sets. So in reality, you know assuming everybody's healthy, Arthur Smith only needs three wide receivers in his offense, and we saw that play out last year. Yeah. Um, you know, where it's basically the only guys that played, particularly after Ridley left, were Russell Gage, Tajay Sharp, and Alameda Zukias. Christian Blake, I think, played like 50 snaps, and he yeah. was the fourth wide receiver last year. Um, and so, like, figuring out who those three guys are gonna be, I think we can comfortably say Drake London will be one of them. I think we all kind of think Brian Edwards will be somewhere in it, whether he's two yeah. or three yeah, ultimately yeah. doesn't really matter. And then the question is going to be, who's that third guy. Um, and I think as I kind of talked about before, where it's like, sure, London, you know, a trio of London, Edwards and, and Tate all bring a lot of size, but like, I think they're <laughs> You've all-
1: already got pits and another tight end. <laughs> like how yeah, much you, size is like necessary? Yeah. yeah
0: like you, you kind of need somebody that can, you know, the the, the one knocks on all those guys whether you think it's fair or not is can they separate right like and so you kind of need a guy that can do the separation can do all the sort of quick in and out stuff and to me that's going to either be Demir Bird or Olamide Zacchaeus and so the reason why I had Bird sort of ahead of Zacchaeus in that mix it could you you could flip a coin and and take I think they're both bringing similar skill sets but to me what was notable about Demir Bird was that the Falcons guaranteed a portion of his contract like roughly like 400k of his salary is guaranteed this year um so it, it doesn't make it impossible to cut him but it makes it where it doesn't really benefit them to cut him they yeah. guaranteed zero dollars on Auden Tate's contract they guaranteed zero dollars on kadero hodge's contract and so like to me the fact that um Damir bird was one of the few uh was the only wide receiver that they guaranteed and and frankly outside of like Jermaine Effetti and Elijah Wilkinson and and obviously like guys like Rashawn Evans, they didn't really do a whole lot guaranteeing con yeah. money for a lot of guys. And so that to me kind of tells me that the Falcons have a higher opinion of Demir Bird than probably your average Falcon fan does. And, you know, we could probably owe that to our GM, Ryan Pace. Um, and I think the, that kind of led me to believe that, you know, Bird probably is going into camp probably a little higher on the depth chart than I think most people realize. And then I think the other controversial thing I put in there was having Kadero Hodge as the fifth guy. <laughs> but like when you understand, like the fifth guy last year was Frank Darby and basically yeah. all as every Falcon fan knows Frank Darby never saw the field on offense and all he did was play special teams. Um, and that's kind of what that role is for is to basically be the guy on game day to play on special teams at the wide receiver position. That's a gunner uh, in this uh, Falcons team. That's what Frank Darby was for most of last season. But the interesting thing about Cadero Hodge was that he was a really good gunner for the Browns a couple of years ago. And I think the Falcons essentially signed him to basically be the gunner across from Avery Williams, um potentially this year. You know, Alameda Zaccheaus could also have that role. That's what he started out the season as the gunner. It was him and Cordero Patterson as the two gunners on the punt coverage team last year before injuries, you know, prompted the Falcons to need him more on offense. And obviously Patterson needed, was needed more on offense. And so it became Frank Darby. It became, I think Kendall Sheffield. And then, you know, Avery Williams kind of reemerged at the end of the season and made a couple of plays there. But, you know, I just look at it and I I think special teams is going to wind up deciding some of these roster battles. And because Auden Tate has zero guaranteed money has very little to no experience playing special teams. I do think this Brian Edwards move is basically an indication that you know the Falcons are looking in another direction to fill those top spots on the depth chart. So that's a long-winded way to explain my crazy five man mm-hmm. wide receiver.
1: Ridiculous group. take, you
0: know. <laughs> I think it's still make the team. He I, I certainly will. Yeah. The Falcons will probably try to keep six wide receivers yeah. on the roster, but that six guy, presumably Auden Tate, maybe Geronimo Allison, maybe one of these undrafted free agents or whatever the case may be is probably like we saw Frank Darby be early in the season, not going to be active on game days because he's not really contributing a whole lot uh, in in that regard. So that's kind of my thoughts on it.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think like, I think what I like about how they've assembled the wide receiver group, and we're going to get Dave's thoughts here in just a second, Dave, don't, you know, I don't want Dave to to fall asleep over there, but uh, (laughs) um, I do think like, they, they've brought in guys to fill certain roles, and I think they they have some options to match up. Like, if we're playing a team, say their number one corner's out, and the rest of their secondary's all, you know, 5'11 or shorter, it's like, okay, well, maybe we are going to play this, like, statuesque, uh, like, receiving core now, and just, you know, Marriott or Ritter's just going to throw the ball seven feet off the ground, and it's like, okay, they can't do anything about that. Um, and that's fine. Uh, that's not going to work against every secondary, but for some, that might work. Um, but I think... A lot of people don't realize like the fifth and sixth wide receiver spots, if they're going to be active, they have to play special teams and the fourth receiver honestly has to play special teams too. So, you know, that the guy that's active of the fifth and sixth receivers, whether you think, you know, maybe Auden Tate is the fifth receiver, quote unquote, in terms of like receiving talent. And like if they had to like if somebody gets hurt at the top, he's probably more likely to take over a receiving role but the guy that's going to be active is the guy that's going to be playing on special teams more and you know Tate hasn't really done it maybe he can you know the the lack of long speed would seem seem to hurt him there a little bit as a gunner as as a special teams player but um i do i do think they've assembled you know i think bird really brings the element of speed that they lost when Calvin Ridley was suspended i know a lot of people are like oh the Falcons need to add a speedster they need to add a speedster guys demir bird is the speedster he ran like a 427 Okay, this is this guy is fast. Okay, he's fast. Like they have a speed guy. They have Kyle Pitts. Okay, remember remember him? He's also really fast. Like they don't need another speed guy. They have some speed guys. You know, Zacchaeus sort of can operate there as well. And then they have some some size guys: Auden Tate, Drake, London, and Brian Edwards. And they can sort of mix and match. But you know, I, you sort of feel like Brian Edwards will sometimes play directly across from London sometimes maybe they'll if they do go to three receivers maybe they move London into the slot and then in those situations maybe you could see you know Brian Edwards and Auden Tate playing at the same time alongside Drake London but like I don't know how many snaps are going to play of that I do think that if there's a if there's an injury to like Edwards or Drake London that Auden Tate would be like the backup for those two players in terms of the role um so I do think like Auden Tate is probably Probably a favorite to make the roster. I mean, I, I do I do still believe that. But I don't disagree that, like, if both Brian Edwards and Drickland are healthy, that Tate could be a game day inactive. And I don't think people should be shocked by that. Because K- Kadrel Hodge might be the sixth receiver on the depth chart in terms of receiving. But he's going to play more special teams. So he's the one they need active on game days. Um, because they want probably two backup Z guys, too. Like, they probably want Bird and Zacchaeus as the sort of flanker guys uh if they want speed and then they've got edwards and london as sort of the x guys and maybe you could play two of those guys at the same time people are going to rotate all that stuff but um you know i think people need to look at it the whole picture not just who's the best receiver because those bottom of the depth chart guys have to play teams um and dave uh finally we will get your thoughts on the wide receiver depth chart what do you think about that whole situation
2: I took a little nap there but yeah sorry about that
1: yeah (laughs) got some Elden ring in yeah (laughs) no no you know
2: i i agree i think it's it's counterintuitive i think only because people got a little bit hyped up for tate when he was like the most exciting thing that had happened (laughs) to this wide receiver depth chart like oh it's a big guy with some potential um but now they've added another big guy with more potential um and i think it's, it's probably fair to say yeah maybe he hangs on because I think they like him, but I think if you shake it out, it makes perfect sense that you would, you know, keep Lama Day around because he offers value in, in several different ways. I think Bird is a virtual lock and and I think Hodge is a virtual lock for a special teams value. You know, Marquise Williams isn't going out there and saying, well, whatever you give me, is fine, <laughs> yeah, you know, nor yeah. should he. Um, so it, it really just depends on how many guys you're carrying. But um, I do think that you know, there's always that potential that that Tate does not, in fact, make the roster at the end of the day, and that that some of the guys that we were looking at is, oh, you know, maybe he sneaks on as the fifth or sixth receiver back when we had eight guys, and you know, um, most of them had their limbs. You know, versus now, it's, uh yeah, it just makes sense to say, you know, if they do do go one through five, that's that's the group you're looking at is sort of um, London, Edwards, Bird, Lamade, and Hodge. So.
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense. And, like, I think people are getting a little too hyped about Jeronimo Allison also. Like, this was a guy they did not even bring in as, like, a futures guy or, like, a cheap sign. This was, like, you need to come to rookie minicamp to prove that we need to give you a roster. And then he earned a spot. But, like, you know. Maybe practice squad. Like, Maybe. that's the thing, yeah, too. Yeah, like, I think so. You'll, yeah,
2: yeah. you'll want some redundancy. And, and, like, they are not allergic to
1: veteran guys on the practice squad. Yeah. I think no, they showed yeah, that yeah. a year ago. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that would be perfect. I think that'd be great for him. Um, yeah, and the other th- I, th- yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I was going
0: to say the one thing that <laughs> before you, I would pump the brakes on the Geronimo Allison hype is he, he played on the Lions last year. And, you know, I think, you know, I'm sure there are Falcon fans that might disagree with this, but I think the Lions had a worse wide receiver core than the <laughs> Falcons did last year, and he couldn't get on the field. So, like, again, Geronimo Allison is a perfectly solid NFL player, but I think if you're expecting him to you know, come in here and, and tear it up this summer. Maybe he does, you know, who knows, maybe. but uh, that'd be great. But I, 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 I wouldn't get too hyped on a guy that could barely crack the lineup on a worst <laughs> wide receiver core a yeah. year ago, cracking the lineup on a getting bit, getting there. Like we're, we're getting maybe approaching average, maybe yeah, yeah, approaching we're, average. We're now. getting yeah. there. So, yeah. yeah, you know, I think we're probably in a better spot today than the lions were a year ago. Yeah. So it,
1: and maybe not necessarily go for well for yeah. Him. Yeah. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah, I agree with all that. Um Explain why
2: Tim Boyle was so good then. <laughs> why
1: Tim Boyle was so good. Tim Boyle to God, okay? like <laughs> Put some respect on that man's name. Man, right, um,
0: Amon Ross St. Brown did some great things. He, he did. He will never he get did. enough credit for carrying that Lions passing
1: game all year. Literally long. my dynasty team made it to the championship <laughs> I, with Amon St. like that dude. I, I just liked turned him it on. a lot and I drafted yeah.
2: him in a couple leagues last year, but yeah, that is, you know, that, that you got to put that in context. It was a heroic effort for sure. Yes,
1: that was that, that man, he, he deserves it. It's sort of like Kyle Pitts last year on the Falcons receiving core. It was like Kyle Pitts getting triple teamed every play. And it's sort of what Amon had to go through. But um, yeah, I, I like, I definitely like the direction we're heading at wide receiver compared to, uh, how it how it was for much of the offseason it's it's a lot more rosy now um yeah before we get to nick kwiatkowski who is the other addition uh this weekend uh guys want to remind you to like and subscribe really appreciate that thanks to everyone for tuning in Corey carter kieran robert kelly dwight everybody i appreciate you guys hanging out with us tonight uh like i said like it subscribe uh if you guys got any burning questions feel free to throw those uh in the chat we'll try to get some if we can if you absolutely have to have your question answered you can follow the tip link in the show description uh, I believe it's streamlabs.com slash falcoholic or falcoholic Live or something like that. It, it'll pop up on screen. It's also in the show description. Um, and yeah, we really appreciate that, guys. Thank you. So, Nick Kwiatkowski comes in, veteran linebacker, sort of opens the Pandora's box once again of what's going to happen with Dion Jones. Dave, your thoughts on this situation?
2: I got to start by saying somebody responded to me <laughs> when they signed him with, isn't that the guy from Monsters, Inc.? And it ruined... <laughs> Everything Nick for the Nick <laughs> So it's it's a problem for me. But getting past that, um, you know, good signing, I think another another solid veteran signing. And I think it is perfectly legitimate to ask that question. Um, you know, back at the beginning of the offseason I I said that I thought Deion Jones would be the guy, kind of out of everybody who stuck around. And for a while that looked like it was true, but you know, I think it's telling that they've, they've signed Evans, you know, they drafted Anderson, they have Walker, and now they sound Buykowski. And, uh, <laughs> you know, again, I almost did it. Um, but <laughs> I was asking you. <laughs> you don't do all those things, you know, unless you're anticipating potentially moving beyond Jones, which to me, you know, Arthur Smith not really bringing him up ever when he's has yeah, he goes out of his lineup. way not to, yeah, 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 he's, he does. He's like Dorian Etheridge, there's nobody else on the game, really, you know. And so, you look at all those factors, and you have to think they're at least trying to move him and giving themselves options because, um, Kwiatkowski, Walker, and Evans can all start, I think. You know, not all of them are going to be great players, but, um, certainly, you give yourself three credible starters, and you don't have to rush Anderson. And to me, when you put all the pieces of the puzzle together, it does look like they're trying to move Jones and we ought to know in a couple of weeks. So.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, It certainly seems that the wind is blowing in a certain direction. We're not going to have to wait too much longer to find out. But I think it's always sort of been they needed to find a dance partner for Dion Jones. But if they did find one, they would basically take anything, I think. Uh, But, you know, if they could get like a fifth, I'd be pretty happy. You know, anything more than that would be great. But uh it's probably going to be less than that, but we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah. Aaron, what do you think about uh, Nick Kwiatkowski coming in and sort of what that might mean for Deion Jones?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of him. I remember when he was coming up in that 2016 draft class with Deion Jones and all those guys, he was certainly on my radar. I think he was certainly on the Falcons radar at that point in time, check their sort of athleticism boxes. Um, and so you know, obviously the Falcons went with Deion Jones and Devondra Campbell. Uh, there, but if they hadn't gotten that linebacker early, uh, he he was a guy that I think could have potentially in an alternate universe been a, a Falcon uh, from the get go. So I, I like him as a player. I think he's going to bring, you know, some value to the Falcons. I'm I'm with you guys. Like either Arthur Smith is not mentioning Deion Jones because he it's ridiculous to even question his status with the, the team. <laughs> and so he doesn't even deserve to be conversed. because, Oh, of course everybody knows Deion Jones is great and he's going to be a Falcon or yeah, I, I think it's probably the latter, which is, he's, he's going to, this is indicating that the Falcons are prepared to move on. Cause it, it goes back to the conversation we just had with the wide receiver. When you think about roster construction, the Falcons, you know, regularly had about five off ball linebackers active on game day last year. And, you know, that was Deion Jones, Foyer Luakun, Michael Walker, uh, Darren Bates, and then occasionally Dorian Etheridge, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, Um and those last couple of spots are just basically special teams role. And you imagine, you know, Walker's proven himself on special teams. Troy Anderson, you expect him to play a lot of special teams this year. And Quickkowski, to his credit, has spent considerable time playing special teams with the Bears and with the Raiders last year, so he can give you valuable contributions there but if you're looking for a fifth linebacker just to play special teams like yeah. you feel like between Dorian Etheridge between Nate Landman the you know the undrafted free agent you kind of have those bases covered so why are you bringing in Quick Kalski just to be a depth piece so it you know as you guys have said reading between the lines you're just kind of like someone's on the way out one of these top <laughs> four guys you know and it's like I don't think it's going to be Rashawn Evans I don't think it's going to be <laughs> troy Anderson and I don't see any reason why it would be Michael Walker so it's like, hmm, who's the guy that's left, you know? Yeah. And so you just kind of – it does seem to indicate that Deion Jones is on the way out. I've been skeptical this entire time, or at least, you know, since March 21st when whenever Deion Jones got that roster bonus, yeah. that the yeah. Falcons would be able to move on from him because I've been under the impression that the Falcons have been quietly shopping Deion Jones since March of last year, yeah. and they haven't gotten any takers on him, and that's why he hasn't been traded if they – would have gotten you know takers on him, but you do sort of wonder, and and so that kind of makes me a little skeptical still that they're going to ultimately move on from him come June first. But like at the same time, you're seeing all these context clues that are, are telling <laughs> you that somebody's going to get moved on from, or the Falcons are just re, or Ryan Pace just basically really was able to break into um, Terry's office and be like, "You got to get my guy," like yeah. I'm I'm quitting. Tomorrow, if you don't get <laughs> the guy, and you know Terry can't do nothing without Ryan Pace calling the shots. <laughs> in the agency. So yeah. you know he had to he had to acquiesce to get Quitkowski. But at the same time, this was something I talked about on lockdown On Falcons the other day, which is like Quitkowski had options. You know, the Raiders he was going to visit the Raiders. I think he was a visit an undisclosed third team, but the Falcons were the second team he visited, and they offered. You know, they had to offer him something. We don't know, I don't know the, the details of the contract yet, but I imagine they offered him a path to starting. And I think you only have that path to starting if Deion Jones is on the way out. So
1: yeah. I, again,
0: a lot of lot of smoke here suggesting that a Deion Jones trade is imminent uh, in the next couple of weeks or months.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I thought they would, if they were going to move Dion, it was probably going to happen, you know, the first week of the year before his roster bonus kicked in. But yeah, um, you know, it seems like they couldn't make it work. The fact that the Falcons are going to have to absorb that roster bonus maybe makes the trade a little bit easier to swallow for the other team. Um, that was the,
0: I don't I mean to interrupt you, Kevin, but that okay. they, I think they were kind of busy with the whole Deshaun Watson stuff during that week. You know? <laughs> maybe, They're maybe kinda, something else
1: might've been going on. Yeah. yeah,
0: They might've been they forgot. Like, Oh, this roster bonus. Ah, we, we missed that. Oh, <laughs> dang.
1: yeah. Well, they were still trying to compete right away. You know, this win now team. So, uh, <laughs> but no, I, I just, uh, it just really seems like the wind is blowing strongly in one direction. And who knows if it will actually materialize. If it doesn't, they're just like, we're going to have the deepest linebacker group in the NFL. Like, it maybe won't be the best, but it'll be the deepest. Like, any one of these five guys is a starter. Uh, and We're just going to stockpile these starting linebackers. Um, but like you said, like Nate Landman, you mentioned, like that's a guy who's probably going to compete for a roster spot too. Uh, not the most athletic guy, but like certainly someone who's rosterable. Uh, Dorian Etheridge was a fine fifth linebacker last year. He was really good in the preseason. You know, maybe they think there's still something there. Um, so there just doesn't seem to be much of a reason to sign another linebacker if no one's on the way out. And like you said, they're not moving on from Rashawn Evans, who they literally just signed. They're not moving on from Troy Anderson, who they just drafted in the second round. Unless somebody's coming with a great offer for Michael Walker, which, you know, they don't need. To wait to make that trade, like they could just make the trade for Michael Walker if someone was coming in here offering, you know, premium compensation for him. So the only one that makes sense to move on from is Deion Jones. So they save a lot of money. It seems to make sense. Uh we'll see if it actually occurs. You know, there's there's certainly teams out there that could use a linebacker. I know the Jets have been floated a lot. Some people mentioned the Cowboys too. Um, but now that the Falcons have to eat that roster bonus, the team trading for Dion is it's not going to be as expensive. So that might be the key to getting it done is that it's, you know, whatever, $3 million cheaper, whatever it was, um, for the team trading for him now after June 1st. So, uh, that seems to be the tea leaves. We'll see if it actually happens. We got a couple more weeks to wait till we find out, but, uh, that'd be a lot of money coming the Falcons way if they're, if they're able to get it done. Um, you know, who knows if they'll actually, uh, spend it or if they'll just keep it and roll it over to next year, but, uh, it is something to consider um yeah guys uh before we move on any further uh dave is there anything else you wanted to add there sorry i think i think I we got dave's take but yeah, yeah yeah no yeah go you, you
2: did i'd say the only the only thing i'd add here is i i think it's pretty telling at this point like we're learning a little bit about this team's preferences like the number of senior bowl players they're taking it tells you you should probably pay attention to who's on the senior bowl rosters and i think another thing yeah. is you know, if that Deion Jones trade gets made, I think the fact that Arthur Smith kind of refused to talk about him for three months straight is probably a good indicator and something we should watch in the future. If all of a sudden he's not mentioning somebody's name in a, in a position group, we should probably keep an eye on that. Yeah.
1: Next I've,
0: presser, yeah. I, I do. I, I will have a list of players. My Arthur <laughs> Smith, what about this guy? And,
1: <laughs> and then if he doesn't, if he doesn't acknowledge him, then we know. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's um, his tell. That's his tell. Yeah. How do you yeah. feel
2: about uh the 7th cornerback on this list? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, he's like, No, I'm not cutting that guy. I just don't know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> you ask Terry about that. He's the one that signed that guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's actually Ryan Pace. <laughs> ask Ryan Pace about it. Yeah. Gotta get every look, guys. Nick Kwiatkowski was hasn't been a bear for like two or three seasons. Okay. So it's he's like a, a removed bear. He was with the Raiders the last two years. Okay. So, you know, he's if not got just the spirit another bear. Of a bear Ryan he's Pace got wants the spirit That's of all
2: that matters. It's yes. the soul of the bear.
1: Yep. Yeah. He was terrific that last year in Chicago too. Like I think if you if you wanna if you wanna sort of of look at Kwiatkowski and be like, you know, what is this guy? Like he can be an above average starting linebacker, uh, if it all works out for him. Um, he's been good in coverage. I mean, I like the signing. I think he, he's someone that absolutely could be a starter or at least in a starting trio with like Rashawn Evans and uh Michael Walker and you know, Trey Anderson's gonna factor in two. We'll see how quickly he gets acclimated, but um and like Aaron pointed out, he plays special teams too. So really he's, he's just no matter where he ends up, but I, I I agree with what Aaron said, like he's not coming here over somewhere else. If he's got a chance to start somewhere else and, and the Falcons, I think probably were like, yeah, you're, you're going to be one of the starting two linebackers more than likely, assuming you show out in camp, you know, come, come work hard, you know, prove yourself, but you know, you've got a really good chance to be a starting linebacker here. Um, and like the Raiders, he was probably going to be like at best their third guy once again. So yeah. Um, I like the signing. Uh I think it'll be a good one and I think it, it probably does portend uh the end to Dion Jones tenure in Atlanta. But uh wanted to make sure before we move on, uh to get to Corey Carter's sixty two dollar donation. Corey, thank you so much, man. We really appreciate that. Uh he says, this donation is in the name of my uncle, Greg Stevenson, who will be taking off life support on Friday due to pulmonary fibrosis. He was the nicest guy ever and a great athlete, especially when it came to pool, golf, and baseball. Love and miss you, Corey. Uh, sorry for your loss, man. Really appreciate the donation. Uh, our thoughts are with you, buddy. Uh, we really appreciate you hanging out with us. Really appreciate the donation. And uh, we hope for the best for your uncle, for your family, uh, and really appreciate you. So thanks for that, man. Um yeah. Moving on to the next topic. Uh we will get to some rookie mini camp takes. Obviously there's not a ton there. I was you know, I don't live in Atlanta, so I wasn't there. We so we've been sort of, you know, reading the tea leaves there. Uh the big takeaway seems to be that Desmond Ritter looked good. Uh which it's been a while since we've had a rookie quarterback in Atlanta, you know, impressing in any capacity. Uh you know, Felipe Franks, you know, maybe wasn't the most impressive uh, training camp quarterback, so um, Drake Lennon looked good too as you expect for a first rounder, but uh, yeah, Aaron, anything interesting that you saw. Uh, or heard from minicamp Uh, because I don't don't believe you're there either but uh, anything interesting that you picked up from the the reporting on minicamp this last weekend yeah
0: yeah I I wasn't there Um, I had made little to no effort (laughs) to be there. (laughs) I really tried hard but guys I just couldn't pull through yeah I mean you know I think Arthur Smith kind of said it it's it's more rookie orientation than anything that you can kind of glean it's it's trying to get these guys acclimated to the system and and learning the system and, and sort of how they do things than necessarily like oh jobs are going to be won and lost, uh, in rookie minicamp. But, you know, my main takeaway was, you know, Desmond Ritter seemingly, uh, from afar, checked all the boxes that you wanted to see him check coming into camp. You know, again, I don't think it's fair to quite put these same expectations on Desmond Ritter, but you know, that was one of the things that Matt Ryan did coming into camp. Uh, his first mini camp looked really good all throughout May and June all you heard was this guy's a professional, his approach to the game is great. You know, he's ready to go all these various things. You're seeing the same things about Desmond Ritter. When we're talking about, you know, what overlaps in terms of his abilities, his skill set with Matt Ryan, it's really got kind of character, leadership, work ethic, all those sort of intangible qualities that you look for in a franchise quarterback. So it's good to hear him sort of deliver on that sort of promise. So if, if, you're a Falcon fan, and uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the negative Nancy, I'm the pessimist of, of, of Falcons Twitter and whatnot. But you know, if you want to buy into Desmond Ritter, sort of having those Matt Ryan-esque intangibles to turn around this franchise and and all these various things, then you know he did all the things that you wanted to see him do and, and hear him do in in this rookie mini camp to to buy into that narrative. Whether you know, I think you should have those hopes going into this season going into the summer, you know, it's a different conversation, but I think he checked all the boxes that you wanted to see and checked. And so that's a step in the right direction. Uh, And who knows six months from now, we could be, you know, looking at Desmond Ritter as the, you know, the the week one starter and leading this team into a playoff race. Uh, Yeah. As improbable as that seems to me saying today, it's certainly a possibility.
1: Yeah. I think, I think there is a path for Desmond Ritter to be the week one starter. I think it's a very narrow path beset with treachery at all sides and you know it's it's winding <laughs> through the mountains and it's very difficult you know um uh, sort of like god of war if anybody's played that game you know you got to sort of navigate this very there's a lot of enemies you know there's a lot of boss fights involved but um you know the, the path is possible he could navigate it and this was the first step and i think he did a good job at the first step you know this is the first step on his path um but the fact that he's able to come in take command look sharp early on it's rookie minicamp guys like that you know it's it is what it is but That's still impressive, and it's the right way to start if you're hoping for Ritter to have sort of a miraculous high-end rookie season, or even just be a high-end rookie backup to Marcus Mariota, because it's not always that you see these rookies hit the ground running in minicamp. It's not always that you see them hit the ground running at all in their rookie season. Um, And I think that it's good to see Ritter do a good job. Uh, Dave, did you have any uh, takeaways from minicamp, including what we've been talking about with Ritter or anybody else?
2: Uh, I loved hearing that Caleb Huntley is still alive. He's still, (laughs) he's still working. My guy, Caleb Huntley, who I thought was going to make the roster last year. Um, That's a big take for me, but otherwise, yeah, it it is all about Ritter um, because, you know, I sort of argued in the run up to the draft and, and post Matt Ryan trade that like nailing the quarterback position is a very big deal. And if you found your guy in the third round, you look like a genius. And if not, well, we're dipping into the first round well probably next year. And if not, somebody might be out of a job in 2024. So it, it's it's kind of a big deal if Ritter is a hit. And so just seeing that he's coming in with confidence and looking good early, is, as meaningless as it might be, is, is good news. So that's my takeaway.
1: Yeah, I agree. And it's like, I... I want Ritter to be good. You know, I was sort of pounding the Ritter drum all offseason. You know, I was also pounding the Malik Willis drum. So I had my bases covered in terms of the quarterbacks <laughs> they might have drafted. But, um, you know, look, I acknowledged that I was pounding the drum for those two. So I was like, look, 50-50 chance. Ooh. Yeah, I wasn't really pounding the Bailey Zappi drum. So I would have I missed if that were the case. <laughs> but, um, you know, I wasn't really pounding the Sam Howell or Matt Corral drum. It seems like the Panthers fans have really taken off on the Matt Corral. Uh, hype train like absurdly far. They're like, no, no, we shouldn't even consider Bryce Young next year because Matt Corral's a better prospect. So, you know, shout out to Panthers fans for they it's been so long since I've seen a good quarterback. You know, it's like it's like water in the desert. You know, it's like, oh Matt Corral he's the first guy we've seen that has any sort of promise in forever. So, you know, let's just uh he's definitely the next franchise guy. But uh, all that notwithstanding, you know, I do like what we've seen from Desmond Witter so far. I think he's the type of guy that probably has a better chance than a lot of rookies to hit the ground running because he did play in a pro style offense. He's used to running through those progressions. He's someone that's known for his work ethic. He's spent a lot of time with Jordan Palmer, the the quarterback guru, I think each of the last three off seasons, um, sort of getting his, his feet wet with NFL stuff. Um, so I think of uh, his rookie season could potentially be better. The thing with Ritter is he just needs to clean up his accuracy. He needs to get acclimated to the system. He needs to get on the same page with these Falcons receivers. And it, it's sort of on him and the coaching staff to see how quickly that can happen. We really don't know how quickly that'll be. I really doubt it'll be week one. I mean, I think that's pretty tough to ask. Like, it's not like he's beating at a total schmo. Like, it, it's... it's Mariota's not a bad quarterback. He's very experienced. He's played in this offense before... Um, Mariota's a fine quarterback. His sort of issue is that he's just not been able to stay healthy and hasn't necessarily had the ceiling that you would want from a guy who's picked number two overall, obviously. But, um, it's not a pushover. This isn't like they brought in a patsy for, for, uh, for Ritter to just beat up on in training camp. But I think Ritter has a very you know, good mindset for it, a very aggressive, like I'm going to be the starting quarterback. And honestly, like the NFL is brutal. You have to be, have that mindset. If you want to have a chance, like you have to go into it. Like I'm the best quarterback that ever played the game. I'm the best there is. I'm going to beat a veteran. I don't care. Like you probably still won't. And you're probably none of those things, but if you don't believe it, then there's absolutely no chance you ever could do it. So like you, if you don't believe in yourself, like it's never going to happen. So I applaud Ritter's uh, tenacity there. And, um, He's used to having to play in difficult situations. You know, he did redshirt his first year at Cincinnati, but he took over uh, immediately after that. And, and, you know, I think he was like the, the AAC rookie of the year. And then he, you know, was the conference player of the year the next two years. So this is a guy that is capable of quickly assuming that leadership role, but um, you know, pump the brakes a little bit is all I'm saying. Like, let's not base it on rookie minicamp if he's like in the preseason outplaying marcus mariota and getting reps with the ones then i think it's like okay we need to really discuss if this guy's going to be the week one starter but um we can still discuss it i'm just saying you know let's let's just relax like it's it's rookie minicamp that's all so
2: well um, we're not thankfully panthers fans about this but <laughs> the, the other thing here is that i'm getting a lot of questions like who's to say that Mariota can't be a long-term high-end starter. And I'm like, guys, come on, man, we can't do this. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I it's
1: one of those things. It's one of those things. Like if it happens, just let it happen and enjoy being so shocked by it. Like Quarterback Patterson last year, like enjoy the surprise, you know, enjoy being happy that something went really well. Don't just like speak it into existence. Like, oh yeah, Mariota's going to be the next franchise quarterback. Like, no, that's not reasonable to say like, Maybe it will happen. I hope it does, you know, like that would be great. You know, he's he's not he's not like an old quarterback or anything. If he does happen to just take off and have a career renaissance and all this, like the Falcons could easily have him for a decade. So it's like that could that could be great. But the most likely scenario is Mariota's fine, but he's not someone you're gonna want to tie yourself to long term. Um and we'll just have to see what happens with Ritter. Um But other than that, you know, other takeaways, I think that, you know, Drake London was impressive, obviously. Um, I did like to hear the Caleb Huntley hype uh, because I, I think, you know, I, I still don't know if he's got a clear path to the roster. He's going to have to beat Quadriolison, uh, who he didn't beat last year. But um, he certainly seems to be that sort of fit and maybe another favorite for the practice squad because they didn't really bring in anybody else. Like, it's basically... Patterson, Damian Williams, uh, Tyler Algier, Quadri Olson and Caleb Huntley. And like, that's pretty much it. Like they didn't really bring in any other competition. So it's like Caleb Huntley's just walking into a practice squad spot if they go with four, uh, running back again. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see there. But, uh, it was Ricky Minicamp. It's exciting to see these guys on the field. It's nice to have some more pictures in the uh the the editor, you know, to draw from. You know, I appreciate that. Uh so <laughs> that's underrated aspect of these pl- on field activities. can only so.
2: put the Falcon's helmet in there yeah, so many times in exactly. a
1: row. Exactly. Yeah, so it just that helps a lot. It gets get actual pictures of some of these guys and Falcon's colors of, of some sort. Um, so appreciate that for sure. Um yeah, guys, any other anything else on Ricky Minicamp before we uh, change gears here?
2: Nothing here.
1: All right. We're good to go. All right. Well, again, guys, appreciate everyone for tuning in tonight. Uh, like I said, like, and subscribe. If you have any burning questions, you can donate at the link there at streamlabs.com slash alcoholic. Also check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash alcoholic live. If you're interested in supporting the show, getting access to some exclusive perks, including ad free, high quality versions of all the uh, audio recordings of this and the podcast. So if you know, if you hate ads, that's a great way to get around those ads. So, uh, appreciate everyone all of you uh 24 25 people now i believe it is on patreon we really appreciate you guys uh and uh we'll have q a info coming out soon there's gonna be another q a session here uh imminently so keep an eye out for that guys um yeah let's let's move on to some schedule release talk uh that's what everyone showed up for tonight right is to talk about you know this Falcon schedule where they're definitely gonna win a lot of games am i right am i right everyone um yeah i mean it's a brutal schedule it's really tough (laughs) let's be honest here i mean we knew the teams they were playing were tough i do think there's there's a you know to start the season it's pretty rough uh i think like the first what is it like six games they have to play uh rams bucks 49ers and Bengals, um and it's just like oof like you're gonna have a really tough time winning any of those games for sure um, you know they do open against the Saints, which I think is pretty fun. That's that's always a fun game. You know I, I don't know that I do think the Falcons have a good chance of beating the Saints. I don't know if it'll be Week One though, because again this is a new quarterback coming in and like a new you know like, it's it's this team might take some time to really get itself together on offense with the new quarterbacks coming in. So maybe I think it's more likely to be that they might lose that Week One matchup and then and then upset uh, the saints at home, which I think, let's be honest, that that's always fun to go into their house, like late in the season and just upset them and screw up their playoff hopes. So that, that can be fun too. Obviously I wouldn't be opposed to the sweep either. So we should leave the door open on that. But, um, I think late in the season, it, it, it opens up a little bit, you know, the Cardinals, I know a lot of people are afraid of them, but they always suck, uh, and late in the season, like they completely fall off a cliff after midseason. So that, that one might be a game that's easier than some people expect. Uh, but yeah, what uh what were some some interesting anything interesting on the schedule? Um Dave, I'll go to you first. Any interesting stretches, any games that you're looking forward to on this uh, schedule?
2: Just starting the the season with the Saints is terrifying but great. Um, you know, just winning that game, um, the rest Just to of the get to one to know. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of gravy, you know, yeah. like at that point, um, given my expectations for the year, but really that first seven game stretch is is everything, right? If they come out of that, even even three and four, um, just showing that they can be a competitive football team, that they're beating some good teams, you'll have some hope for later in the year. And um, if they get absolutely creamed um, and they're, you know, two and five or worse, by the time we make it through that seven game stretch, well, we're just kind of watching to see what Drake London and Kyle Pitts do and when we get Desmond Ritter. So um, I I think to me, that's, that's the big stretch of the season right there is just seeing what this team is made of early on and whether they are better than we think they are or not. And I think probably not, but um, it would be nice (laughs) to be surprised and hopefully at the very least they can start things off right. Instead of getting annihilated by Philadelphia, they can beat New Orleans and then, you know, the next few games as they're getting (laughs) rolled over potentially by the Rams and the Bengals and so forth we can be like but they beat the Saints that was pretty you know
1: like yeah yeah I mean like it'll be I want to get Aaron's take too but like there there are there's a chance like if they if they upset the Saints like they could possibly beat the Seahawks and the Browns it's like maybe they could get to a winning record you know um early on you know especially if Deshaun Watson's suspended um you know, maybe there's a path for them to get to like three and one and it would be like the biggest mirage. It would be like the Panthers last year. It's just just huge, this huge mirage like of like, oh, the Falcons maybe are good. And then they're going to get like creamed over the next like three games and it'll be like three and four. But um, I do think there's a chance that something like that could happen. And that's like the rosiest possible interpretation of things. But uh, Aaron, what do you think about uh, that, that opening schedule and any anything else that you want to touch on there?
0: Yeah, look, you know, there, there's a non-zero <laughs> chance that the Falcons can, you know, get off to a good start this year and start like three and one or three and four or whatever the case may be. It's it's not impossible, uh, you know. I wouldn't at this point in time <laughs> unless we can see really a strong um, showing for this team in the preseason. Uh, and, you know, Arthur Smith has already promised us that we'll actually get to see these guys in the preseason,
1: so there's hope. Man, that joke. Oh, man, that joke is that, man, I love that bit, but I guess he wants to end that bit, so.
0: Um, So, like, you know, I'm excited about that. Look, you know, I kind of went into this even before we drafted Desmond Ritter, being like, okay, we're going to draft a quarterback at some point. Marcus Mariota is going to start the season. He'll play, like, six-ish games or whatever, start six to eight games, and the team will stink (laughs) and then they'll turn the keys to that young quarterback. And we'll have an opportunity to see what he can do. Hopefully uh, you know, once he's get acclimated to the season. And I think the schedule maker is basically, I don't know, we're like reading my mind and I think they constructed basically the perfect schedule for that to happen um, with that tough seven game stretch. And then you get kind of soft, relatively soft opponents, Starting in week eight with Carolina, you know the Chargers are not going to be soft or anything like that. But you know Chargers are going to charge her, so you never yeah, know. Yeah, they could. Uh, it, yeah. You, get, you get the <laughs> Panthers on Thursday night. You get the Bears. You get Washington. You get Pittsburgh, and like when you look at their schedule, when you look at the opponents, like probably the five most winnable games, or the two against Carolina, uh Chicago, Pittsburgh, and probably Seattle. But then Washington will probably be the the sixth most winnable game on their schedule. And and they got like five of those, six games in that stretch from week eight to week thirteen, and it just seems perfect. They're like, okay, we'll throw Marcus Mariota to the Wolves. He'll get torn (laughs) apart by the Wolves. The Wolves will get full, and then you know we'll we'll let Desmond Ritter go out there when the Wolves are a little bit moving a little bit slower because they're now got full bellies because Aaron Donald absolutely obliterated. You know, (laughs) poor
1: Marcus Mariota.
0: (laughs) You know, poor Jalen Mayfield. But yeah, well, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um. You know, like, and so I, I think the schedule sets up really well for, like, if you want to, you know, kick the tires in Desmond Ritter midseason against some relatively soft opponents where you, you expect the Falcons to be much more competitive against those teams than you're probably expecting them to be against teams like the Rams and the Bucks, the schedule kind of sets up perfectly for that. And that gives us enough that we, okay, we win a couple of those games. You know, maybe that puts us out of the conversation for the top two picks or whatever to get a quarterback and you're just kind of like hey you know Desmond Ritter did some good things we'll settle for Will Anderson or Jalen Carter with a a top five top six pick or whatever the case may be and we'll just keep this thing moving along and so I like the schedule from that perspective again that's not the rosiest perspective on the future (laughs) of the Falcons like hey they're gonna they're gonna be bad this year um but like I, I think there's a positive outcome potentially to that and so that's what stood out to me with the schedule
1: yeah, I agree. I think, like we said, like, if they upset the Saints week one, it's like, oh, well, they, they possibly could get to a winning record, you know, because the Seahawks are starting Drew Locke. So, you know, that's a team that's very much in transition. The Browns, it depends. Like, if Deshaun Watson's playing, they, they're probably not winning that game. But if Deshaun Watson's suspended and they and they don't have Baker Mayfield, it's like, oh, well— the Browns' game could be winnable. Um, uh,
0: it's Jacoby Brissett, and oh, last time Brissett's the Oh, Brissett's not
1: bad. Yeah, Brissett's not bad. So. And
0: w- really, the issue with the Browns is it doesn't really matter who the quarterback is. You got to right, stop right. the job. Yeah, right? exactly. It's the run game. So, um, <laughs> like, and that defense and, is still good. So
1: yeah. Yeah, and yeah. and
0: we saw the last two games the Falcons played last year, they gave up 200 <laughs> rushing yards yeah. to the Bills and the Saints. So that's really the issue that they're going to have to solve against the Browns. Necessarily, who the quarterback is. Be.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, so it. You could you could squint and say like maybe they sneak in they 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 upset the Saints because it's a division game anything can happen. Um, they they beat the Seahawks and they they sneak in a win against the Browns and then it's like, you know, they're probably not beating the Bucks on the road. They're probably not beating the 49ers. They're definitely not beating the Bengals on the road. Um, but then it's like you know if if they have a losing record at that point, you know, maybe they, maybe they give Mariota a chance to beat the Panthers, uh, and then get, you know, creamed by the Chargers defense the next week. But then it's like, all right, we're going to, to Ritter. And then Ritter could have an easy stretch to start off his career. Like the Panthers, Bears, Commanders, Steelers, like, uh, you know, that's, you know, this, none of those teams are that imposing. I mean, the Panthers probably gonna have a good defense. Once again, Commanders probably gonna have a good defense. Same with the Bears. Like those aren't necessarily easy defenses, but, um, yeah, I, I, I guess that would probably be the time I would be eyeing as well. Like, maybe no, maybe early November, mid-November, get Ritter in there for, you know, eight games or so. Um, to, because I think they have to at some point. Like, if Ritter doesn't start at all this year, you know, Mariota better be a pro bowler. And this team's competing for the playoffs if Ritter's not starting any games. Um, and I just, you know, as fun as that would be, and completely unpredictable off the wall. I mean, it'd basically be like a Bengals turnaround. Yeah. Uh, which, despite it happening last year, does not happen very often, folks. <laughs> that you go from worst to like second in the entire NFL. Um, so that doesn't happen very often. Um, but I mean, I think there's a chance that that uh, we could get Ritter uh, you know, halfway through the season. I know some people are like, oh, he's probably not going to start until like week ten or later. But um, you know, we'll see. And Mariota's thing again has been health, and this the Falcons really didn't do much to fix this offensive line. So you sort of wonder if they're just sending him out there to get pummeled. Uh, <laughs> behind Jalen Mayfield. Um, so, especially that Rams game. Like, if Marietta makes it through that Rams game, uh, <laughs> prayers up, man, that's going to be rough. So, woof. But uh, it, it'll it be interesting. You know, I think that after they get, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't really see them, like, winning, having a winning record or, or much of a chance at a winning record. But, like, I sort, I'm sort of, if you're hopeful, I think you're hoping for, like, a sort of Lions-esque season with maybe a couple more wins mixed in. Where they're sort of scrappy, you know. This team is a more balanced offense. The defense takes a step forward to being like maybe closer to average. The offense is also you know fairly average, and and they just they're playing a lot of good teams. So they're not these an average team isn't beating any of these really good teams. But they're scrappy. They're they play some close games. They're they're you know they're they're watchable. You know the offense is a little scrappy. The defense is scrappy. It's more it's watchable. You know they don't win a ton of games. Maybe. You know, I like I. I think maybe six wins is sort of the the ceiling. You know, maybe seven if you're like really rosy with it. Um, and you know, I, I think the over under is like five wins. So it actually went down after the schedule came out from five and a half. So it's uh, you know, I certainly hope that uh, they play well. Um, I don't know if it'll tra- Like I think they could have a better team than last year and have fewer fewer wins with the schedule. Um which is what I think honestly will happen. Like, I think the defense will be better. I just don't think it'll be good. I think the offense will be better. I don't think it'll be, well, I don't know if the offense will be better. That that's probably rich. I think the rushing attack will be better. I don't know that the passing attack will be better. Maybe about the same, but, um, I think that they will be a better overall team, but probably win fewer games, if that makes any sense. But, uh, you know, before we get out of here, obviously I got to get your guys way too early. Let's piss everyone off. Win, win loss predictions. Uh, So, Aaron, I'll go to you first. What You know, first glance, obviously, haven't had training camp, preseason, anything. First glance, what what are you thinking in terms of a a really, really way too early win-loss prediction?
0: Yeah, you know, I'm looking at it like, last year, they were very competitive in games against teams with bad quarterbacks, right? Tim Boyle, Truthers, Unite, and
1: whatnot. (laughs) That's a good quarterback, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, You know, but,
0: like, I, I think... I'm not sure and it gets back to kind of what you're saying, Kevin, like my hope is that we see them more competitive against some of these better teams, but I just honestly don't really expect them to beat the teams that have competent to good quarterback play. Uh, You know, my expectations for this team, I think they'll be better on red zone defense. I think they'll be better in terms of generating explosive plays. I don't know if they're going to be like so much better that it's going to completely change how this team plays and how they match up with some of these teams. As I said before, like when you're facing teams like the Browns, like you got to stop the run if you can't stop the run. It's the same thing with the Saints, the same thing with the Cardinals. And I think that was a big weakness of this team. And I don't know if they've gotten significantly better in that arena. Um, So, you know, all that to sit here and say I'm been kind of in the, you know, depending on my mood when I wake up, like Mm -hmm. pessimism, three wins, optimistic, five wins. I kind of just kind of settle in four and 13. Is pretty consistently, you know, going to be probably my take until we get to training camp, and depending on how, you know, if certain players surprise me or disappoint me, then I'll move off of that. But that's kind of my unofficial uh, projection in terms of of this season. But like you said, again, people hear that and say, "Oh, you think they're going to be terrible?" No, I, <laughs> you're I, a I, hater. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just think like this season is is not about this team beating good teams. It's about closing the gap. Like, you know, last year, losing by 25 points to the Patriots, 40 points to the the Cowboys. Like, when we faced, you know, those team, those caliber teams um, this year, are we going to, is it going to be more like that Buffalo game where we were competitive and, you know, didn't we have a, a lead in the third quarter at a yeah. certain point? Um That's kind of what you want to see. Not necessarily that the Falcons are actually winning these games. It's just like, can you make the strides to be competitive for two or three quarters? And so that we're all not checked out, you know, by the time we get to like (laughs) two 30, any, any afternoon on Sundays. And we're like, okay, you know, what am I seven beers deep? Like what, you know, what, what do I have to do to, to to make this last hour and a half go by reasonably well? So that's kind of the hope for me. And, And as you said, Kevin, I think they can be a better football team this year. If it doesn't necessarily mean that they win more games.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a very, you know, reasonable take on, on that as well. Uh Dave, where where is where are you landing right now with your way too early uh win-loss projection?
2: Fifteen and two. <laughs> Hell um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's go for it. Um I'm I'm probably around like six and eleven. Um, I think that, you know, to echo what you guys said, I, I think this is going to be a better football team this year overall, I think. We're still gonna see some discouraging things because I think they are going to match up poorly against some very good teams and they're certainly going to lose. I expect quite a few games, but um, I think that the arrow is pointed in the right direction. I think there's, especially if Ritter ends up working out, right, um, this is a team that that has more talent, has a coaching staff that has hopefully figured some things out in year two And, and so what we're going to see during the season um, if we're watching closely and we don't fall asleep during that Jets eight o'clock preseason game and never wake (laughs) up um, it's going to be really encouraging for 2023 when they have the cash to spend in that that third year to build on what they've started here so you know I could see as many as eight wins if literally everything breaks right Um, but I think we'll probably be in that five to six range and honestly as long as they look much better than they did a year ago against some good teams on the schedule. And we start to see some progress from the defense in particular and at the quarterback position. Um, I'll be perfectly okay with it because, you know, we've seen losing seasons for four years running now where this team didn't seem to have much of a plan and didn't seem to be going much of anywhere. So the sense that, you know, there's some kind of momentum and this might be an indicator of more positive things to come is a big deal for me. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think I have the same prediction right now of 6-11. and 11. You know, we'll, I'll have to see what happens in training camp, how they look in the preseason. Um, and that, that would be the over based on the Vegas win total. Um, I just think that what we saw last year with Arthur Smith, I, I think it's probably going to continue. Like, he's probably going to win more games than expected just because he seems to just... This team is just going to play tough games against... Especially against the less talented teams on their schedule. Like... They're going to they're gonna beat bad teams, probably. Um, it doesn't mean they're a good team, but they're probably going to beat the bad teams. Um, they did that really well last year. Um, and I think that they might be better equipped to do that. I, I think that they're probably also going to struggle against the good teams, especially the really good teams. They just don't have the firepower. They don't have the infrastructure in place to keep pace with these really good teams like the rams like the bucks like the bengals like they don't have the offensive firepower to outpace those defenses and they don't really have the defense to put the clamps on really good offensive lines um you know we'll see if the bengals turns into that this year the bucks probably will be again you know they obviously have to replace some pieces there but um you know i i think again like i think it'll be a better team. I don't know that that will translate into more wins. I think they're probably going to lose more games. But if you're if you're hoping for a better draft pick, that would work out great. Like if it was a Lions season where they were sort of actually like the most fun like three win team you've ever seen. They were scrappy in all these games. They're playing close. You know, they just always they just can't seem to win a lot. But they they're fun and and they end up with like the number two pick or something like that would be an okay outcome if they were to lose three games I just don't want this to be like a they win they win three games and then they're just awful all season like I really don't want that like even if it means we get the number one pick I don't want to be this awful team like it's not worth it guys trust me I, I have to cover them okay I'm not willing to make that trade maybe some of you are you can just tune out on Sunday I cannot do that so um you know I think that there are encouraging signs. I think that, uh, we will be feeling good about this team going into 2023, but, uh, I don't think that's going to necessarily translate into like a playoff run or anything like that, but honestly, like winning six games would be outperforming expectations. So <laughs> the expectations, you don't have to get very far this year to outperform expectations based on that stuff. So, um, yeah, well, anything else, uh, you guys want to touch on before we wrap it up? I, uh, I think we've, we've covered the basics here, but any, any other final games you want to touch on any other final takes before we sign off tonight?
2: No, just, I I would say, you know, for the folks who are, you know, all in on this team being way better this year, winning double digit games, like I, first of all, kudos
1: Awesome. Yes. I, um, I wish I could still do it. I can't still do it. So. I know. Exactly. <laughs> if, you know, I, we, we've gone like I
2: feel like I've flipped like for years. People were like you're way too optimistic and now it's the other way around. But, you know, like if this thing goes south win wise, like I, I think it's just so important to keep an eye on that progress and see where this team ends up, because like that's that's what's going to make it worth watching this year. Even if they do surprise and win a bunch of games like they, they have a hard ceiling this year I think with their talent level um but that might not be the case as soon as next year so like let's let's enjoy the ride and, and hope for good things
1: yeah yeah if, if you're thinking that they're making like a winning record it's probably because either Mariota or Ritter hits the ground running and is like this revelation at quarterback um that's, that's the only path I can see is that, you know, Ritter it'd probably more likely to be Ritter. Like river just has like, like, he's just hits the ground running. He's a good rookie. He's a good rookie quarterback. He's like everything you ever wanted to see, uh, you know, sort of a Russell Wilson versus Mike Flynn situation where he just sort of like quickly surpasses him and, and is just all gravy from there. But, um, as fun as that would be for me, who is very much team Ritter, uh, I don't think that's, very likely to happen, but I will leave the door open for that as a possibility. Um, So yeah, Aaron, anything else you want to add before we sign off?
0: Yeah, like I'll I'll kind of piggyback on on that point you just made. Like to me, their path to way outperforming my expectations and I think a lot of people's expectations is they get good quarterback play, whether you think that's Mariota or Ritter-based and Kyle Pitts and Drake London are just great. And Brian Edwards is much better than you know Muhammad Sanu-esque as I I put (laughs) earlier in this episode and they're just basically a team and Cordero Patterson does his thing and and Tyler Algier um is you know James Robinson 2.0 or Najee Harris 2.0 or something like that again I think all those outcomes are possible I don't think they're likely especially once you need to get all of those things to happen in order for this uh team to really be cooking because like yeah, it's it's just gonna to be tough for them um given their inability to probably keep pace with some of these higher powered offenses that they're gonna face this year. Um, but I, I think there that is the path, right? Where these these all these new faces on offense just come in and hit the ground running. And you know, Arthur Smith and his play calling and, and all these various things are just so much better going into this year than they were last year. Um and and that's your path to this team being more than just a scrappy, you know, team with a losing record. That's a team that legitimately when we get into December is a team in the playoff chase. So it's possible. Again, as I always say, set your expectations low and let the Falcons exceed those expectations. Cause we've all been there when we've had high expectations for the Falcons and been disappointed. And I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I'm just like, I'm, I'm tired of being disappointed by the Falcons. So
1: <laughs> I will let
0: them, Exceed my expectations as opposed to setting myself up for another massive disappointment, as is the case. So, that's my recommendation for everybody out there. But I, I think there is a path for them to be successful, but you just need some of these boxes to get checked, all of them to get checked. And if they, they can do that, I think they can be a very, very scrappy uh, football team this year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think the offensive line is the other piece of that, too. Like, if they could add like a legitimate left guard veteran signing, I think I'd feel a lot better but uh so far they have refused to do that so then it's like we're probably like praying that Jalen Mayfield somehow works his way into being like an average starter um and I just that would be such like like it's like oh just being an average starter that's not so bad but when you're like the worst left guard in the NFL to get to average start like that's a big jump um We've talked about on this show. He probably has a better chance than, like, an average player of reaching that for all the things we've talked about, right? Like position switch, change sides, thrown to the fire, all that stuff. But, like, it, it's it's still a big ask. Um, you know, I, I, th- I think between Dolman and Hennessy, it'll be okay at center, but I think left guard is the one that's really concerning. So um, if they don't add a veteran, you know, uh, we're just going to have to pray. for Jalen Mayfield, um, to be something better, drastically better than what he was last year. Otherwise it doesn't matter how good I think the offensive players are. If that is just once again, a a turnstile at left guard, then it's, it's, they're going to have a bad time out there. So yeah, guys, uh, really appreciate everyone coming in and dropping your record prediction as, as well. Those of you predicting 10 plus wins, um, you know, you guys, are, uh, you guys are awesome, so good for you. Uh, yeah, that's Jeff's kiss. So I really hope you're right. You know, I do. Uh, I think that would be really fun for the Falcons to end up being that great team because it probably means they hit on Ritter uh, and that the offensive line came together and everything that we ever hoped for is coming to fruition. So, you know, I, I would certainly be open to that uh, happening. I just generally, like, like Aaron said, uh, we're used to getting our hopes and dreams, you know, trodden on uh, pretty much on the regular. So, you know, that would be a great outcome, but not something that I necessarily expected, but uh, we really appreciate you guys. Um, yes, I did see the fake tweet about, uh, Debo getting traded for Asante Samuel Jr. I did see that, but, uh, yeah, that was not true. Uh, so, you know, that should, the fact that the trade compensation was just a straight up trade for like a really good corner on a rookie contract for a really overpaid linebacker, should probably and the fact that it was announced before june 1st should have been a dead giveaway more than anything else uh because they literally can't do a post june 1st trade until after june 1st that's sort of the way it goes so um but you know prayers up for everyone that fell for it so um yeah guys really appreciate everyone for tuning in like i said like it subscribe uh please check out the uh, the patreon page patreon.com slash alcoholic live those of you that are listening to the podcast or are interested in checking out our podcast. It's the Falcoholic podcast available on all your favorite podcast platforms. Um, yeah. Before we take off, I want to thank our co-hosts tonight. First of all, we have with us Aaron Freeman. He's at Falc fans, host of the Lockdown on Falcons podcast, Aaron, anything you'd like to plug before we, t- we take off tonight?
0: You know, when people are done watching this episode on YouTube, head on over to locked on Falcons and-, and watch the episode there that I dropped tonight. Talking about Arthur Smith and the idea of tanking and, and whatnot. And they have Thor Nystrom, a uh, guest here on Falkaholic Live in the past, coming on to talk a little bit about Drake London. So g- check that out. Tomorrow on Lockdown Falcons, be doing my Arnold epiketty scouting report so people can look forward to my breakdown of his game Thursday night on YouTube, Friday morning on your preferred podcast platform. And, of course, Lockdown Falcons is you know coming at you five days a week pretty much training camp there may be a lull in June so if you're (laughs) if you're needing Falcon content when things really start to die down in the next couple of weeks or whatever the case may be locked on Falcons is going to be there for you
1: this man this man producing five episodes a week in June I you know Just doing the Lord's work over there. so (laughs) That's when it gets really hard. During the season, not so bad. you know. During draft season, not so bad. June is where it really starts to hurt. Well, Kevin, I (laughs) might
0: lean on you to come in and and help me out. Do some heavy lifting there. Because I'll be done with takes by that
1: point. (laughs) Yeah, takes are exhausted at a certain (laughs) point. So, (laughs) yeah, thanks for coming on here. Appreciate you. Um, Also with us tonight, the Falcoholic himself, Dave Choate at the Falcoholic. Dave, anything you'd like to plug?
2: No, just, um, you know, stick with us through May and June. We will find plenty to talk about, despite everything. Um, Kicking off the Falcons trivia series again, which either you're like, great, or you're like, who cares? And either way, thanks. How dare you publish this? (laughs) Come on by the side. I don't care how you feel about it. Just click. Um, Just click, please. Yeah. But I know we have some uh, we have some good stuff coming. Um, you know, looking at some of the prospects, we're going to be doing continuing to do our roster breakdowns and probably getting to some camp battles a little bit early because we're eager to have
1: that to talk about. So oh yeah, um, never too out.
2: early. No, never, too never early. ever too early to talk tight end for so. <laughs>
1: hell yeah that's 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 what i really get up for so. <laughs> that's where we're uh, <laughs> going yeah. john too. fitzpatrick versus parker hesse versus you know my man daniel helm already got cut so i'm gonna have to rearrange my uh, depth chart there but Again, tucker, fisk, he's, he's <laughs> yeah, coming. tucker fisk he's coming strong. he's coming he's the new parker hesse former yeah. defensive lineman so yeah yeah that'll be that'll be a june show for sure T- tucker fisk well, coming i in. got I, I
0: got like two episodes out of tucker fisk coming in, in june so okay
1: that's great i'm looking forward to that
2: yeah did he lose weight? He's listed at like two eighty five. Is that <laughs> is that true?
1: Yeah. I don't know. That, that be, that'd be crazy. That would be <laughs> the thick. Love to the see him play tight, end. tight end at
2: two eighty five. Like, well, that was uh,
1: Leroy Watson too. Another UDFA. He was like two eighty five. Played tight end at UTSA. But they are, they're converting yeah. him to tackle. So, um, which last I think makes the, sense. Yeah.
0: The last time the Falcons had a tight end at bid, I think was Eric Beverly,
1: oh, and they moved yeah. him
0: from the offensive line. He was like three hundred pounds, and he played tight end for us in like 03, 04, Dave, you can correct me on that.
2: No, I think that's right. And it was glorious. We so,
1: <laughs> hey, yeah. I'm all for thick, tight ends. Like that is, that's totally fine with Stick me. Thick
0: so. with four C's, right? Yeah, you need
1: a lot. Yeah, for 285 <laughs> $2. plus, you definitely need at least three or four uh, to get that done. But yeah, guys, I uh, really appreciate everyone for tuning in. I'm Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin. Like Dave said, check out the site. Uh, check out the Falcoholic podcast as well, which I have officially assumed the mantle of. Um, and yeah, go click on those episodes too, because that, that helps me. Uh, So even if you don't have to listen to the whole thing, just listen to the first two minutes, you know, that, whatever that helps. So, you know, go click uh, on all your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, And it should be that the stuff that I put on the feed, I'm going to try to make videos at the same time, because it turns out, you know, when I record it, I can just press record on OBS too, like, like what I'm sure Aaron's doing for, for his show, you know, and you get two pieces of content out of it. So if you prefer video it'll be up here on the youtube and if you prefer audio it'll be on the podcast platforms you can go back and forth you can watch both you know whatever you want maybe you want to hear it twice hey it's all good i don't judge um sometimes it's june and we just need to listen to anything even if you know i i do that myself sometimes i listen to the podcast even though i was literally on it so yes it it happens it happens i don't judge so uh,
2: when you you get a collection of voices like this together sometimes you just want to hear it again
1: you do it's just so it's just like uh music to my ears you know and everyone knows i love to hear myself talk because i do solo podcasts so uh (laughs) that's that's the the surest sign so i know uh, all
0: about that life kevin oh Yeah. yeah
1: Oh, yeah, Aaron knows. Aaron knows for sure. But, uh, yeah, guys, really appreciate everyone for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you, guys. We will be back next Wednesday for the next episode of Alcoholic Live. Probably lighter on the news, I would assume. Um, you know, I- I'm leaving the door open for other moves, certainly, but uh, probably lighter on the news. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we'll-, we'll have some OTAs to talk about soon, so that'll be at least moderately interesting I'm just kidding, guys. It'll be so interesting. You have to come back next Wednesday to make sure to hear those riveting OTA takes. Uh, but, yeah, guys, thank you so much. Uh, we will be back, like I said, next Wednesday at 8 p.m. Uh, thanks to Dave and for Aaron. Tonight, we will see you guys next time on the Hawk Live. Have a great night.